Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. (laughs) Oh, man. It's on now. (laughs) I don't know when I'm up for one of those next, but I'm going to start writing my own script now. Oh, my goodness. It's it's a joy. Connection Point, I love you. Avon there, Connection Point people, family over there, we love you. Uh, Online family, we love you as well. And uh, it's such a treasure. You know, kind of goes without saying, but the truth is every single person matters to God. Every single person. Those of you that have a relationship with God, I hope you know how much you matter to him. Those of you that maybe are here or listening today and you, you don't have a relationship with God, you're still trying to process what that means or that looks like, I, I hope that you can receive this today, that you matter an awful lot to him. Uh, every single person matters to God. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter what your background is like, or it doesn't matter how much money you have, or what you do for a living, or how old you are. Uh, Every single person matters to God. Jesus loves every single one of you. Salvation is available to every single person. And that's the truth. That's his heart. And I'm just praying that God would give us his heart all the more. Amen? Knowing that that's his heart for us, then I'm just, everywhere I go, I'm asking, Lord, would you please just give me your heart? Would you draw my heart closer to your heart and help me see people the way that you see people? Because it's not always easy. And a couple of difficult things now are uh, the culture that we live in. It's just changed an awful lot. You know, when I started in ministry almost 30 years ago, I started as a youth pastor, and the average student that would come into our youth group 30 years ago who did not know Jesus, maybe a friend invited them, and they would show up at our youth group, the average student 30 years ago had some kind of sort of understanding about Jesus, some kind of sort of understanding about the Bible, some kind of sort of understanding about what truth is. But fast forward even seven, eight years into my ministry, and those kids were already gone. Like the the, the average non-believing, unsaved student that got invited to the youth group that would come in had little to no understanding about Jesus, little to no understanding about the Bible, and did not even believe that truth was an absolute. Now fast forward to 2023, and that's even more the case in our culture. And so one of the challenges that we face is that 
if you don't have a relationship with Jesus right now, there's a high likelihood that, that you have very little, like basic, even like cultural understanding of Jesus or the Bible. And so you're really starting from completely square one. The other challenge that we face today is not new to our generation, but it's still a challenge. And that is that um, before people come to faith, the likelihood is that you've had uh, maybe one, if not many, rather unpleasant experiences with other Christians or the church in general. And when you stack up any lack of knowledge about the Bible to begin with, and then a poor understanding or a poor experience with uh, Jesus or the church or his people, um, then you're, you're really already starting from a negative. And so now, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you've got a heart for people. You know God has a heart for people. But going to share the gospel with people, bring the good news, share God's heart with them, there's a lot of obstacles in the way. There's an awful lot of challenges. And so for us to have a couple weeks having a conversation about uh, how to go about these conversations, I hope this can be helpful just as we, we just try to equip uh, to reach people who don't know Jesus. And if you don't know him and you're here, uh, then we're, we're not hiding the fact that we really want you to know Jesus. We're not hiding the fact that we exist to share Jesus. We exist to share the love of Jesus. And we know his heart for you. And we're hoping and praying that you'd experience his heart. That's, that's the truth. We want that to happen when you gather here. But we are also not here more than we are here. And so I've got opportunities. You've got opportunities to interact with people all week long. And so the other six days of the week that we've got, um, how can we be used by God to uh, help spread the truth of Jesus and the love of Jesus where we are in a way that actually works and that's winsome and, and used by God in a, in a powerful way? Um, you can kind of think about it in terms of these concentric circles. Um, these would represent different conversations that you might have. They also represent different categories of people in your life. Uh, especially those maybe that do not have a relationship with Jesus. You've got friends. I hope that you've got some friends who are not Christians. Uh, we should be uh, friends with people who are not believers. And the conversations that we've got as friendship level on the outermost circle, they tend to be conversations that, that deal with our interests or our hobbies or kind of the surface level sorts of things. What are you into? What do you like to do? What do you not like to do? Uh, how many people you got in your family? Where do you work? Where do you go to school? It's those sorts of, of conversations. You move into the next ring in and you've got these spiritual conversations. Uh, these are more below the surface conversations than you'd have at the friendship level. And these spiritual conversations go below the surface and, and get to the heart of things that we value. So not just our interests, but what do we value or what do we not value? What do we care about deeply? Uh, what hurts us deeply? These are very, very important conversations to have. And then ultimately, we might get to gospel conversations where we actually share the gospel. We start having conversations about 
the world view, the perspective through which you view the world and everything in it. Now, a lot of us want to go straight for the gospel. And if the Holy Spirit prompts and you have the opportunity, then that's totally important and appropriate. But this middle ring of spiritual conversation or below the surface conversation is what I'd like to talk about today. Because I think this is really, really key at this particular moment in history, and especially with friends, people in our life who don't know Jesus. Because the art of spiritual conversation is super helpful in building bridges from friendship to the gospel. The art of spiritual conversation is super powerful in building bridges from friendship to the gospel. The, the bridge that's built here, you've got people on this side and you cultivate a friendship our guest speaker, Aaron, addressed that a couple of weeks ago, what it looks like, how to engage and build friendships with people who do not know Jesus. There is the gospel, at which point we will share the truth, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done, and give people an opportunity to respond to that. But in between, there is a tremendous opportunity, an important one, a crucial one, where we build a bridge through having good conversation. This is an art form that I think we are losing at a very rapid rate. The ability to have really good conversation, especially amongst people who maybe disagree with us about certain things. And I think as Christians, we should be experts at having good conversation spiritual conversation below the surface conversation. Because while certain people may be opposed to the gospel or to Jesus, in our culture, there's this interesting thing going on where people are still very open to spiritual matters. They're very open to uh, what is going on and their feelings and philosophical thought. And if we take the time to have some below-the-surface conversation and, and spiritual conversation, then it, it will increase the trust, we'll get to know people better, and then it will also become easier. It will become easier to have a gospel conversation if you've already had multiple spiritual conversations beforehand, right? Right? If you think about friends that you've got in your life and you never talk about anything below the surface and then you try to share one of the deepest truths, the deepest truth in the entire universe after you've only talked about basketball or you've only talked about knitting, that's quite the leap. See, we need the bridge. And that bridge is having below the surface conversation. The bridge is having spiritual conversation. Now, depending on the friend that you have, you might need to spend a really long time on the bridge. It might be years and years of spiritual or below the surface conversation. 
before you get to the gospel. There might be a whole lot of rough waters under the bridge that you're having to traverse. And so this becomes really, really important for us. The word of God speaks so much to our words that we use. And there's a lot of encouragement in God's word about our conversation. There's a parallel passage, parallel letters in the New Testament, Ephesians and Colossians. And in Ephesians chapter four, here's kind of a good guardrail on one side for all of us about all of our speech. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29 says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. <laughs> so that your words, some husbands just elbowed their wives and the wives just elbowed their husbands. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Another translation of that says, don't let any wholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building each other up. What if the only thing that came out of our mouths, conversationally with friends, and especially with those that we love who do not yet know Jesus, the only thing that came out of our mouth was useful for building them up. There's a good guardrail over here. Now, in Colossians chapter four, Paul starts to address in his letter to the believers in Colossae, their words with regard to those who do not believe in Jesus. And so when he's talking about our words regarding those who don't know Jesus, he says this in Colossians four, verse six, he says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive with non-believers so that you will have the right response for everyone. So there is a sense in which we should have our, our words dialed in for those who, who don't know Jesus, sometimes at a higher rate, because there's an awful lot at stake on the other side of this bridge. There's an understanding of Jesus that they're going to pick up on. There's an ethic of Jesus. There's the ways of Jesus. There's the heart of Jesus that they're going to sense in you and me, maybe even before we speak of Jesus. And if it's been a pleasant experience, a winsome experience, a magnetic experience, then I think the likelihood of them uh, understanding the gospel, receiving the gospel once it hits is a lot better. And so us being gracious and attractive, it doesn't mean that we water it down. It doesn't mean that we compromise. It just means we're gonna be clear and put it in terms that you understand. If today, if you say, this is true because God says so, and they don't even believe there's a God, well, you're already on two different planes. If we say it's because the Bible said so, but they don't believe the Bible is true or don't even have any clue what the Bible is, then it has no meaning for them whatsoever. And so for us to develop this skill of below the surface spiritual conversation at this particular moment in history is absolutely key in loving the ones that we love who do not know Jesus. And who was masterful 
at these sorts of conversations? Who is masterful at conversation in general? Jesus. Jesus, we, we could learn so much from Jesus. I mean, he came, he died for our sin. He rose from the grave, conquering sin and conquering death. He is my Lord. He's my savior. But how he lived and what he taught, my goodness, it's a masterclass for us as his disciples, as learners or students of his, followers of his, there's so much for us to glean. Go to John, go to chapter four if you have your Bible. And there's the story here of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus' interaction with her. And what we see Jesus do here is phenomenal. It's a masterclass in, in conversation and in interaction. When, when you read through this account of him interacting with this particular woman, how he moves in conversation from one thing to another thing to another thing. This is something we should develop better as a skill. He's gonna move from surfacey things to deeper things. And this really is the core of the art of spiritual conversation or below the surface conversation. It's to start here and then connect dots that drive in too deeper. We're not just gonna get hung up on behavior or exterior, but we're gonna uh, allow the spirit to kind of guide us into some deeper places with ourself and deeper places that exist in other people as well. And Jesus was so good at that. In John chapter four, Verse four, he's walking from one place to another, and it says this, he had to go through Samaria on the way from Judea to Galilee. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Hang on there for a sec. So because we know Jesus is, he's got his radar up. He, he, he's, He's tired, he's weary, it's hot, he's been walking, and yet, even though he's tired and probably has some excuses to not want to interact with someone, you know, every once in a while, I go into the grocery store, I'm out in public somewhere and I'm tired, and then you bump into somebody and they wanna have a conversation. And sometimes it's inconvenient. And sometimes you're tired or sometimes your mind or your heart are elsewhere. And when people are gracious, they totally understand that. But there's a radar that should supersede our tiredness. And that is if there's a divine appointment going on. If the Holy Spirit's prompting and you're tired, then you'll also be guaranteed that the Holy Spirit's gonna provide for you to press through the tiredness and still have the conversation. And Jesus really had that ability. He's got his radar up, even though he's tired. His radar is also up, I believe, because he's gonna pick up on something. 
Uh, typically, people would go to the well in the morning and the evening because that was the cooler parts of the day. Now, you probably heard this before with this story, but the reality is that this woman is showing up at noon in the middle of the day was probably because she's trying to avoid people. There's other women that she probably did not want to interact with, maybe because of something going on in her life. And so already that she's there at this particular time of day, it's already hitting Jesus's radar. And I wonder for me and you, when we're out and about and we stumble upon a person here or there, or they make a little comment here or there, if our radar is up and we're discerning, then we might go, hmm, okay. Maybe it's just their countenance. Maybe it's an actual phrase. But if we're really watching people, then we'll pick up on stuff. Look at verse nine. It says, the woman was surprised that Jesus had asked something. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said this to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And you've heard this, you've been around the block for a while. If you haven't, Jewish people and Samaritan people didn't care for each other too much. It went back to when Israel was divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Uh, the northern kingdom adopted Samaria as its capital, and Jerusalem was the capital of the southern kingdom. Assyria at one point came in and routed the Jewish people in the northern kingdom, and then kind of intermarried with the Jewish people. And they then became what the, the real pious Jews considered like this mixed race and weren't sure where they were at spiritually and otherwise. And it became a source of tension. By this point, Jews would often avoid the Samaritan people. And they had established their own center of worship uh, on Mount Gerizim. Well, now what complicates it more is not just she's Samaritan, she's a woman. And Jesus is a Jewish rabbi, and culturally there, they were trying to be real above reproach and not get slipped up, tripped up into you know, unhealthy, awkward relationships. Um, there was some respect stuff that was different culturally between men and women. And if this woman had a checkered past, then uh, interacting in public, and especially alone, would not be something that a Jewish rabbi would get into. So she's a part of this people group and she's female. Jesus and her, they're all alone. There would have been a high likelihood that Jesus would have just said, not worth it. We don't interact with these sorts of people. But praise be to God, Jesus doesn't think that way. These sorts of people. I hate that phrase. Yeah. And, and Jesus takes the risk, and he engages in the conversation. Jesus replied, verse 10, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. And then she's confused, and they converse a little bit more. And then he says, this water that I have, it, it will go down and satisfy your soul and it'll be like a bubbling spring that erupts out of you into eternal life. 
And they continue to talk and now she's all in. He's pressed deeper still. And she's like, where can I get this water? This is what my soul needs. She's like super eager. And then he says, it's great. Uh, Why don't you go get your husband? Let's tell him about it too. And she goes, I don't have a husband. And Jesus being Jesus says, you're right. I know you don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five husbands and the guy that you're with right now, you're living with him, but he isn't your husband. You've spoken truth. And she's kind of, whoa, oh gosh. She responds, oh, you, you, you must be a prophet. And now the eagerness for the living water is kind of like pulled back a little bit. She, she realizes like, oh, I got really eager and now I'm kind of vulnerable and he knows some stuff about me that I didn't know he was gonna know about me. I didn't want him to know about me and now he knows about me. Oh. So then she, she's actually pretty sharp. She goes, hey, what's the deal with worship? You know, we worship over here. You guys worship over there. Where's the best place, the right place to worship? She was pretty sharp. And when we interact with people, you know, it's like Battleship. Remember that lame little board game? E5. No, that was a miss, but you were really close. Oh, okay. This was like, whew, this was pretty close to the Battleship. And when we, we have these conversations with people, it might strike a nerve and they might, well, okay, that was too close. I opened up too much. Okay, we well, just be sensitive to it. But then Jesus turns back and he's not gonna let her get hung up on where to worship. He's gonna drive in some cool info about who to worship and how to worship. He's still drawing her to the truth and they conclude this particular conversation, verse 24, Jesus says, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Man, Wow, like what Jesus did here is phenomenal. He, he starts with water and then m- makes a movement to thirst. That's a natural jump, right? And then drives deeper still to like thirst of our soul, a longing, a quenching that our soul, our hearts need. I, I love that progression. And for us in spiritual conversations, below the surface conversations, it might start with something surfacey and then connect to a deeper need, and then connect to a deeper need still, to the point where she opens up then about her personal life, then she starts to ask some questions, and then he gets to answer some questions that center more around the character and nature of God and the truth of God. Now, at this point, he he has revealed that he is the Savior, the Messiah, but he's not pressing her for a decision. He's not explicitly shared the gospel. He's planted seeds and had a phenomenal conversation that is gonna have a pretty profound effect on her. When it comes to Jesus and the art of spiritual conversation, what he does is stuff I think we should do. If you're taking notes, you might jot down a couple of these things. His radar was always up to the Holy Spirit and others around him. He was really tuned in 
to the people around him. And, and even though he was tired, even though he was thirsty himself, he, he, he was aware of, okay, I'm headed this direction for a particular reason. The shortest route from Judea to Galilee was through Samaria. And I don't care what the cultural thing is, I'm going through here. And as I'm going through, here's this lady. And now I believe that this is a moment here of importance. When you've got your radar up, it changes everything, you guys. I get that we're tired and I get that we were busy and we've got an awful lot to do. But what I'm trying to do more and more is slow down enough that when I rush into a coffee shop, I slow down long enough to think and pray, okay, Lord, whatever the barista might need, give me a heart for him or her, give me ears to hear, give me eyes to see, or it's a random person that I'm bumping into, or a known person in our communities that we happen to bump into, give me a heart, give me eyes, give me ears, because this might not just be about me getting the coffee. And if, if he wants to use that particular moment, then my radar's already up, despite how tired, busy, et cetera, et cetera, I am. And I think we'll be better off if we have the same radar that Jesus did. Uh, he was also willing to be open and honest himself. Now you see this in all other places where he has conversation. You see it a little bit here in just acknowledging his own thirst and then reaching out and saying, hey, I've got a need that would you mind helping me with? When we are open with our own needs and our own struggles, then it gives permission to be open with their own needs and their own struggles. It puts us on a similar plane. We're all human beings, right? He also risked embracing cultural differences. And as Christians, we develop kind of our own culture, but we are saturated in a culture that is not necessarily godly. And there are there are people groups that churches had a long tradition of just kind of having zero interaction with, but we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. And we can express the love of God to our culture, to all peoples. And that means sometimes venturing into places where we would be caught with those sorts of people. That's fine. Yes, we need to be wise. And if you're, you're, prone to falling to the same temptation or whatever, then maybe it, that's a job for somebody else and you're heading to a different group of people. But the heart of God is for all people. And so I, I want to have that heart wherever I am with whomever I am with. And even taking proactive steps to venture into these particular places and risk what would be awkward or risk people saying some things about us. People are worth it. Lastly, a couple things I think are important. Jesus and the art of spiritual conversation is that he gently addressed people's needs, struggles, challenges. Um, he, he's aware of what this woman is going through. You've had five husbands. The guy you're with now isn't even your husband. Now, Jesus is, this is a really like truncated conversation, quick, fast, getting to the point pretty quickly. As far as the bridge is concerned, uh, he's sprinting across this bridge. 
But while they're having the conversation, um, when stuff comes up, I think he's kind of able to identify, okay, like, I don't need to condemn you, but we could talk about it. This is how you've chosen to live. Like, maybe there's something going on in your heart that this behavior is uh, evidence of. And let's not just talk about the behavior. Let's talk about the core, the heart behind it. And then eventually he gets super clear about who he is as the Messiah. What the desire of God is for worship and the character and nature of God. They've had this deeply spiritual conversation about God is spirit. and Jesus is the savior that's been prophesied. And so many phenomenal seeds have been planted at this point. He took these points of reference and he just continued to connect dots and go deeper and deeper. When you and I have spiritual conversations below the surface moments, these bridge building moments with our friends who don't know Jesus, be listening. Be listening for points of reference. Here's a handful of them. When you hear any of these topics that you see here pop up in the conversation, these are all opportunities for you and I to connect dots because you have these things. You've had thoughts on these things, experience with these things, highs with these things, lows with these things, and so have the people that, that you're talking to. See, what we're doing when we have these spiritual conversations is, is ultimately we're looking for common ground. We are all made in the image of God. We are all loved by God. Now, what we have done in allowing God to be the Lord of our life, that might be the differing point. But in, in between, there's an awful lot of common ground that you and I have with people. You look at people long enough and you'll see their humanity. Most of us, when we, when we start to engage with people below the surface, most of us will tend to go, oh, that's different than me. Oh, I disagree with that. Oh, that's way off. Oh, me and him, we're not on the same page there. But what if we flip that and start with the, what do we have in common? The below the surface spiritual conversations are so good when we start with, you're a fellow human being created by God whom I know God loves. What do we have in common? And how can we talk about that? I've got a dear friend that was actually a student in my youth group years ago who is still an atheist. And he just finished his PhD in biochemistry. And what he defended his dissertation on, I can't even explain, like I, don't, I can't even say the words that were in it. He's brilliant. What we do not have in common is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But what we do have in common is now 15 years of friendship. What we do have in common actually is kind of a, a propensity to fall to the blues and melancholy and sadness. And so every time that my buddy, who is 20 years younger than I, get sad, I get the phone call. And I cherish that because that's something that we have in common. Now, 
we can continue to talk about that. And as we have opportunity, we do have spiritual conversation. I know what he believes and he knows what I believe, but we're not over here. We've had that moment in the past. We actually had to come back to the bridge and just enjoy the friendship and talk about spiritual deeper matters and allow the spirit of God to continue to do the work because this ultimately is not on me and ultimately it's not on you. It's what God's up to in them. And God, would you use me over the course of a whole lifetime if that's what it takes? Got another dear friend in California who, who lives a whole lifestyle that's totally different than mine and we really love and care for each other. And he lives a lifestyle that's totally different but what we have in common is that my lifestyle and his lifestyle are often prone to being harshly judged by people on the outside. So that's what we have in common for all the stuff that isn't in common. And so we can bond and connect always over stuff that we have in common when we recognize like the humanity and the commonness in it and then pray, God help me. Help this conversation, help this relationship go below the surface and continue to build trust and in your timing, in your way, God, prepare the hearts or give me the right words or whatever. This bridge building stage is massive and, and, and key for us. Again, if you're taking quick notes, a couple quick reminders I couldn't fit in anywhere else if you're having these spiritual conversations. One, uh, they don't always hear to a normal timeline. Sometimes you're going to have a friend that's been your friend for like two weeks and God's at work in such a way that you've already had some below the surface conversations and you already get to share the gospel and it's in such a fast timeline. Sometimes it might be in minutes. Sometimes it might take a couple months. Others, it might take years. I've got a friend since kindergarten, kindergarten, still not a believer in God, a follower of Jesus, any way, shape, or form. We are still friends. I still love him. There's a timeline I am willing to walk as long as I am alive, as long as he is alive. So we can't get hung up on too much of a timeline. Two, uh, they're not just intellectual conversations to be had, they're deeply spiritual ones. And you and I really need the spirit of God and to be good at hearing from the Spirit and, and asking for the Spirit's help when we're having these, these conversations. We are deeply in need of the Holy Spirit to work because this is not just about our effort. Uh, three, uh, our friendships should not be dependent on them accepting our message. Um, we, we should just be friends, end of story. And if the Lord leads to, through all of this bridge building time, them coming into relationship with Jesus, you're sharing the gospel and it results in that, fantastic. But if it does not, then keep being friends because we're not doing this as a means to an end. I am not friends so that. I love you because God loves you. End of story. Now, the rest will come in, in its timing as the Holy Spirit leads. Fourth, just a reminder, you guys, especially when we're talking about spiritual conversations, you haven't failed if you haven't shared the gospel per se. This might be planting seeds. It might just be building more of a deeper, below the surface relationship, talking about spiritual matters. But every one of these conversations doesn't have to end with the four spiritual laws or 
this particular truth or that. Now, if the Spirit prompts, then go for it. But if not, it doesn't mean that you and I have failed. That's so key. And praying that God would give us eyes to see people the way he does is huge. I hope you'd pray that God would give you eyes to see yourself the way he sees you and that you'd receive that. You'd believe more of what he says about you than what you think about you. Because if you do, then that'll cultivate a real like healthy you. And then out of that, then you'll be able to have that health and that love spill over onto the people you're having these conversations with. You know, at best, um, we're kind of in this journey together where we're always kind of looking for things to uh, bring us joy, bring us satisfaction, bring us hope, aren't we? Like all of us have that in common. We're all looking for something to hang our hats on, something to support us, something that we can stand on firmly and really trust. There's this show on Netflix. It hasn't been out in a while, but um, I'm waiting for the next season. Um, it's called The Ultimate Beastmaster. And it's kind of like an American Ninja Warrior sort of thing. Um, and they're, they're these amazingly athletic people that do a timed uh, obstacle course. And they're one obstacle after the other. They try to get through it as fast as they can. And it's international and it's phenomenal. There's one particular obstacle, though, that's my favorite. It's, it's called the mag wall. And I love the mag wall. It's, it's a big climbing wall. Underneath it is water. And so if you fall out, you fall into the water and you're done, you're out of the competition. But you have to move laterally across this climbing wall and, and the handholds and footholds that you see there, they're awkwardly positioned and they're hard to get to and the wall's at an incline, so that makes it even more difficult. But it's my favorite because when they get to it, I start to giggle like a little girl. It's like, oh, here comes the magwell. This is the best part. My favorite is because all of those handholds and footholds on the magwell can randomly just fall off. Somebody in the back has a button that demagnetizes those handholds. And so they've got a firm grip or a firm planted foot on one of those things. And I just know their guy in the back's looking and going, oh, he's got all his weight on there. Bloop, there it goes. And it falls right off. And so they go. And I feel like that's so much of us in this world and in this life. Like I'm constantly looking for that which will support my heart support my soul, support my desires, whatever I'm hanging on to, whatever I'm putting my weight on to support me. And in this life, if it's anything but God, what I can guarantee is that thing you're holding on to or the thing you're putting your foot on is gonna fall off the wall. It was never meant to support your whole weight. They could be a temporary blessing, but they're nothing in comparison to the truth of who Jesus is. That's what this woman was wrestling with and Jesus knew it. And Jesus knows that for you and he knows that for the people that you care about. And so when we're having eyes like that, just going, gosh, we're all in that kind of boat together. But then as we have opportunity to point people toward, hey, some of the stuff you're hanging on to or putting your weight on are probably not gonna hold up. You might've already experienced the things that have let you down or fallen through. That's why for me, 
and mine, I've come to an understanding that Jesus is my only hope. And so if you have a conversation, any spiritual conversation that gets your loved ones pursuing truth, that's a win. That's a success. And if you yourself are here, you're listening, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you're just starting to seek out what's really true about you, what's really true about God, what's really the truth about how the universe came to be and why we are the way they are, things are the way they are, the, the truth about how you spend the rest of your life. If you're on a journey of truth, then you're gonna discover Jesus at some point and you're gonna have to reconcile the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody gets to the Father except through me. It's Jesus that said that. And so I'll be praying, and if you'd be praying for me, we'll be praying for each other. One, that we would first and foremost ourselves be seeking the truth. And that two, that we would get really good at having below the surface conversations, spiritual conversations, guided by the Holy Spirit with a whole bunch of people that God brings across our path and that he'd use it to bless them. He'd use it to rescue them. And so gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for, for your love for us, for your patience with us. Thank you for, for Jesus and all that he's done for us, but all that he modeled for us. We pray right now for those that we've got friendships with who do not know you. Help us. Help us have good conversations, below-the-surface conversations. We pray for opportunity to share the gospel. But in the meantime, just allow us to be the sort of friends that they can talk to about anything and know that we'll be there for them. And in so doing, we'd reflect you in that regard. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.